Hey everyone, welcome once again to Podcast in Death, the weekly podcast where we discuss the in-depth series of books by J.D. Robb. I'm AJ. I'm Jen. I'm Tara. And this is episode number 60 of Podcast in Death, and in this episode we are going to talk about Portrait in Death, which I think anybody that's sane, this is within their top 10, if not their top 5. People who are not sane go on Amazon <laughs> and Goodreads and give this a one star review. Can't wait. But the rest of us who have a brain, <laughs> this is one of exactly. our exactly right. The existence of my brain is questionable, but I I also list this in well. my top, so it's fine. <laughs> as long as you list this near the then top, then I can be then I can be categorized as a person with a brain. Yes, thank you. Yes. I mean, I, I feel it. like as long as it's in the top 40. I mean, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know. Exactly. I mean, I get that. Not It's not going to be in the top five for everybody. But, I mean, it's a good book. Oh, yeah. It's a really, really, really good book. It is. Unless you're reading it just for the police procedural stuff. Then you're like, that's well, why. <laughs> I feel like that's the only reason why anyone would ever be like, this is not a top five book for me. Then um, I would go, yeah. I get it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I do kind of get that. I do kind of yeah. get that because the case is a little weak. Um, yeah, but the case is weak, but there's some real cool things about it that I'm right to talk about. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, this one opens up as Somerset is going to go on vacation. <laughs> yeah. And Eve is very excited about that. She very is so excited. excited. This is a really very excited. <laughs> She's doing a little dance. She is making herself pancakes in the auto chef. You know, I mean, I mean, I feel like that's how I would celebrate something that brings me that kind of joy. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. And Rourke comes in and he's like, wow, you're in a good mood, you know, <laughs> like he's surprised i'm like right yeah no he's not surprised this time around i listened to the book and i've actually never listened to this one nice it was nice um i feel like yeah susan erickson does an outstanding job what what i'm i've never heard you say that before no (laughs) never but really i mean we don't we don't stand susan erickson around here not at all I mean, seriously, it wouldn't be an episode of Podcast and Death if I didn't say that I felt like Susan Erickson did an outstanding job. This is no, true. This is very you true. Know, These are I the mean, things that we expect on Podcast This is an death. excellent point. Yes. Someone so, will yell at their pet. AJ will talk about how great Susan Erickson is. <laughs> I mean... You know, it, it's, it, it's, there's a comfort in that, right? Yeah. Uh, this is probably no surprise to anybody, but you know, we always talk about that underlying uh, theme because obviously portrait and death and on the surface, it makes sense. The mm-hmm. the killer is taking pictures of his um, victims after death, but also it's about Rourke finding or being given this portrait of himself and his mom. Yeah. Right. So those two things go together. But um, also a lot of talk about uh, the portrait being taken at a time in somebody's life when they're pure 
when their light is pure. Oh. And I felt like that was a good metaphor for Rourke's mother, you know? Um, there was, there's a couple of times when I marked a couple of times where I mark passages that say something. So, um, for example, it, one of, cause so this killer likes to write manifestos or we are seeing inside of his head a lot. Yeah. And, um, in this particular, uh, passage that I posted, this is a note from the killer after the first murder. Mm -hmm. And it says her light was pure. It will shine on forever. Later on, Eve says something about maybe that's what he wanted her innocence. And I thought, well, that's absolutely a metaphor for Rourke's mother. Yeah. In all of those instances, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, we're getting that impression of Rourke's mother as having been somebody that was pure and full of joy and life and, and light, is, you know, yeah. and then Patrick Rourke took that away and maybe he was attracted to that initially. That's what he wanted her innocence and her purity and her light or whatever. Well, and like also the, the parallel so. of the fact that he's the one that took that. You know, just like the killer. Right. We're talking about Somerset's going to go on vacation. And right before Somerset is set to leave, he trips on the stairs and breaks his leg. That sucks. That sucks for Eve. Sucks for Eve. Sucks for, <laughs> sucks for, sucks for Somerset quite a bit. <laughs> um, it, it really mostly sucks for Somerset. Yeah. You know? But it also sucks for Eve. And she calls the, uh, you know, the medic, medicals, the MTs, as they're dealing with all of that is when Nadine contacts her and, you know, starts to talk about how I think somebody's been killed. I've been, you know, you have to meet me at this particular place. And Eve's like, I can't. I'm in the middle of something right here. And, you know, but Pretty she used to it, When it rains, it pours situation. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. That morning it, it went to shit for Eve real, quick. real quick. Yeah. <laughs> real quick. I mean, so, like, she quick. got to yeah. have her pancakes and it wasn't even so, that great. Yep. Yeah. Poor you Eve. know, Poor girl. Well, I'm sure the pancakes were fine because the I mean, pancakes. no the food pancakes. is subpar at Rourke's house. Well, that's yeah. true. They're pancakes. So yeah. So when Eve got to where Nadine was, there were two guys fighting about this broken trash recycler and um once peabody came on the scene she kind of he had her try to calm people down and um they yeah. then they both went and looked in the bin and they saw you know the dead body in there rachel who one of the guys identifies as rachel. yes rachel and that she worked across the street from his deli essentially right and so sad she's a 20 year old college student from columbia she's described as this person who's very like you know innocent and bright and you know everybody likes her and she's got this great light about her etc cetera, etc cetera. 
Then Eve has a little fight with Nadine, you know, about a little fight. It's uh Well, okay, so she has a big fight. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so so I'm just gonna I wanna say this about Eve just at the beginning because it's gonna just keep coming up for me. Eve starts off this case in such a place that there's literally no recovering from it. Like, I think had she not dealt with the frustration and honestly, like, the concern, the concern for work and everything else that had happened with Somerset getting hurt literally, like, an hour before, I think that this scene would have gone at least slightly differently. That's my opinion. Oh, yeah. Oh, I, completely. Yeah. And then, Absolutely. like, I feel like 100%. this is just, like, a catalyst. And the whole, the whole time she is so completely out of her depth because she just has no footing on photography and where to begin and what to do. And there's so many different angles that none of which she understands or can follow on top of her at home stuff. And it's just like, Eve is, Eve is, I think this is her weakest investigative process, not because she's incapable, but because it's, it's coming at her from all sides and it's, stuff that she doesn't get a grasp on right away like she does any other thing that she comes across that's maybe unfamiliar to her she usually catches on and gets things and she does not and it's fascinating right yeah and i love it i'm also like oh poor eve but i'm also like i fucking love this because eve (laughs) out of her depth is really where you get to see her like you get to see this flawed woman grow in a different type of way than when she's kicking ass investigatively, but not maybe rocking it at home or something. I don't know. Cause every time I, every time I read this book, right. I'm like, right. I'm like, I just don't like this case, but I'm like, but look at how Eve is learning how to work through everything else around it. And that's why I like this book from that angle on top of everything else. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. I don't know. Just Yeah, the whole thing with Somerset and then later on, you know, everything that's going on with Rourke and it yeah, it's really kind of throwing her off her stride. Oh, it absolutely is. So yeah, so you know, Nadine and, and Eve have this fight and Eve decides I'm just gonna <laughs> you know, have her hauled down to Central. She doesn't even fuck yeah. around. She's like, no, that solves that problem. No, bye. <laughs> bye. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Tell us one of the uniforms to read her. Fuck around and find out, Nadine. Exactly. She's like, nope, we're not doing the things today. Nope. Then later on, you know, Eve goes down to Cop Central to question Nadine. And she's already got a lawyer there. And the first thing Eve thinks is, like, are you banging this guy? <laughs> like, what what are you what but i mean she's not wrong you're saying that (laughs) (laughs) she's not wrong but still (laughs) are you paying this guy okay well yeah i i just confuses me that that's the first thing that eve was like "Uh, are you banging this guy like why is it any of your business how does it why does it even matter in this particular case and also like why is it any of your business (laughs) yeah and you know i will (laughs) Yeah, I you know, I feel like to I love Nadine to death, but I feel like she is overly pushy in some situations. Yes, and I feel like this was one of them. And but I mean, Eve obviously should have handled it better. But 
Mm-hmm. Um, I think, yeah. I mean, not so much in this book, but later on in the series, she starts to get kind of, you know, well, we're friends, so you should be giving me this information. And that that gets on my nerves a little bit. I mean, I agree. I can't. The other thing, though, that I was like reminding myself is that we just came off of another case where Nadine, as you know, in her profession, was used against Eve. And right. You know, like you just, I don't know, you you just kind of feel like we have to have a different angle with, with Nadine, you know, in this book. Right. I think I think I'm more annoyed with that from her in this book is that it's kind of the same angle, you know. Nadine's going to be our contact person, and and I don't know, it, right? It, but I but I also get it. Like the, this book, this book is not about <laughs> the case. It's not. No, it's really not. It's really no, not. it's not. It isn't. It really isn't. Yeah, yeah. and I mean in the next book in the case, I, but. Yeah. And, you know, in imitation, they actually address the fact that Nadine mm-hmm. has been pulled in so much yes. and they're getting complaints about, you know, how often she well, gets the scoop. They actually, um, they say that in this book, too. Oh, right. Yes. Yeah. Or Whitney does say something yeah. to Eve, like, we're getting complaints that she's getting preferential treatment. Right. And Eve says to him, like, well, she's getting preferential treatment because the killer is giving her that. He is giving, he's contacting her directly and he's giving her these pictures and he's giving her this, you know, all these statements. And that's why, you know, they're getting preferential treatment, you know. So, yeah, I mean, and I don't know whether that's something that Nora, like, you know, tried to address people's complaints before they make them. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> who knows i mean but, i feel like that's um, probably a legitimate complaint that would be coming at nadine and eve anyway right says yeah. a person who knows nothing about media or new york politics or any of that but still that's my guess <laughs> i think that you're absolutely right yeah yeah <laughs> so i i also found it interesting that eve felt like you know i mean she was too tied up in this case even from this very very early point that she has peabody contact work and see how things are going at the house with somerset which instead of doing it herself i she does it herself later yeah she does it herself later and honestly i think that if she weren't in the state that she's in as far as taking care of this case and dealing with the fact that nadine is causing extra drama even though eve eve instinctually would always want to push things like this off on somerset i think that this at this point in this very scene where she goes peabody find out what's going on i think that eve actually had planned on being the one to do that i think that she's always from the beginning of this whole thing with somerset she's been like regretfully so but you know like i'm gonna handle this i'm gonna do this and she probably even told herself i'm not gonna push any of this off on peabody but then nadine's here being like drama queen and you can't. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, God bless her. No, right, yeah. Anyway, so um even Peabody, because they know um that this girl worked at the um uh some market across the street from the deli, some like, you know, mini mart type of thing. They go over there to question their co-workers and they find out that um 
Rachel attends Columbia University and she frequents a bar called Make the Scene. And also that she had been recently hassled by some guy named Diego. So back at Cop Central, uh, as we said, Nadine's waiting there with her lawyer and she and Eve get into it a little bit more. Um, then Nadine gives Eve all of the information that she was given, that she was sent from the killer, including all of the photos. And that's when they figure, um, Eve and Nadine figure that one of them photos were posed after death. Yeah. And I think Morris kind of confirms that. I think so. And tells Eve, he's the one that tells Eve like, oh yeah, that's practice that um, is common. Apparently, you know, according to the book, came back into fashion, you know, several years before the books take place. So, so uh, uh, obviously Eve figures that the, that the killer's a photographer, if not a professional photographer, at least a very talented amateur photographer. So she's looking at that angle and uh, finds out at some point that uh, Rachel was taking photography classes at Columbia. So even Peabody go talk to Rachel's photography professor, whose name is Leanne Browning. So Eve had Nadine's phone kind of, what do you call that? She had EDD take Nadine's phone so that they could look into it and maybe try to figure out where the transmissions were coming from or that where that transmission had come from. And EDD figured out that the transmission had come from this club that Eve had already been told about called make the scene. So Eve and Peabody go to this club and they speak with the bartender whose name is Steve Audrey. He um, also gives them the security desk for the, for the club. So Eve does head home. Rourke is in a pissy mood because he had to deal with Somerset and Somerset doesn't want to be in the hospital. And what I love about this is that everybody keeps saying like, well, you should be used to dealing with that. You know, <laughs> it keeps like making this reference of, you know, he's having to deal with somebody difficult and he's, and you know, well, I'm used to that, you know? And he was like, uh, what are you trying, what to, are you say? trying to say? <laughs> but, um, so Eve, it's easy he's in a bad mood so she you know tries to distract him from that by quote unquote fucking his brains out um then they briefly discuss the case and then i just have down here next morning even rourke ha have a few very married moments <laughs> merry well, moments <laughs> married moments she wakes up and you know he's already on a hollow meeting with kiro she says something to our work says something to her about it has something to do with a, a automobile or she hears that in the call that they're talking about some kind of car to some guys in germany oh that's right and um i like completely forgot about that part. she says yeah she says to him um, what are you calling it? And he said, what would that be? And she says, the vehicle. You were talking about a vehicle, right? With the German guys. And he's like, ah, oh, well, we're still kicking that about. So, yeah, I was wondering if that is, you know, 
if that was the early talks about the DLE. Or that would be amazing. Oh. Yeah. Like, that's that's a, over hey, my head. I, was, I mean. I didn't even think about that. Didn't even think <laughs> of know? that. Yeah. Is that foreshadowing? Could be. It could be. Because yeah, there's okay. no, I mean, there's no evidence contrary. Right. So why this not? This is my headcanon. This is what I have now. <laughs> My okay. yep, new headcanon. I love it. I'm, new headcanon is that that was the early inception of, of the, the DLE. Yep. Perfect. There you go. I love it. So, um, but yeah, that whole, I, I don't know. There was something about that particular um, morning, things that they were doing, things that they were saying to each other that really kind of sounded very, you know, married, married to me. Yeah, I mean, this is when she tells him, you know, if I can manage it, I'll swing home this afternoon to help you out or something. And he said, uh, see there, you're acting like a wife. <laughs> and she said, shut up. <laughs> and he said, I like it quite a bit. Next thing I know, you'll be down in the kitchen baking. <laughs> and she says, next thing you know, you, I'll be kicking your ass and you'll be the one who needs round the clock care. And he says, can we play doctor? <laughs> but I don't know. There was something, it's just something about that whole scene that, you know, it just, it just sounded very married. It is. I think it's very married. <laughs> and again, here's another, like, so later on she meets up with um, Peabody and um, Peabody says something about her being grouchy. And um, <laughs> she said, you know, um, I'm old men who hang out in the park and shake their fists at small children are grouchy. And then she says, Somerset's all right, well enough to give Rourke a shitload of grief about being in the hospital in the first place. And, and Peabody says, well, Rourke should be used to that. <laughs> She's like, one more person that says that. Yeah. I mean, you know, all the people who have thing, said that are correct. Like, well, Rourke should be used to it. I yeah. Mean, they're all correct. They are correct. Yeah. They're not, not wrong. <laughs> Maybe you ought to think about that and try to be a little bit better. Eh, probably not. <laughs> so, um, no, she's not. Nope. No. And also during that conversation, Peabody tells Eve that she and McNabb want to move in together and asks Eve to ask Rourke if he has any apartments open. Well, and Eve continues to like make it difficult on herself by being like, oh yeah, that's a thing that bothers me. I'm going to keep complaining about it so that you keep harassing me about it. Yeah. <laughs> It's worse when she continues to complain about it because then Peabody's just saying things just to get get under Eve's skin. You know, you should you could you know you're a detective, Eve. You could probably figure that out, but yeah, yeah she continues to <laughs> you know. So, <laughs> oh, Eve. Um, so from there they go and question this dude named Diego that they heard was hassling. Um, Rachel and they generally decide that he's a slime ball but that's not a crime not entirely um not entirely from there they go to a camera shop and they try to figure out what camera the photographer used which knowing something <laughs> about photography I don't know that that's something you I mean yeah I I mean, I don't know. I, I was I, kind of like, I guess I don't know. Again, enough. Eve is so out of her depth. She's like, I'm just trying to gather information. Right. I mean, in general, you there's differences in, in how different cameras 
produce a yeah a picture you know um i use sony and sony tends to make a picture a little bit more blue more cooler than like a nikon or a canon but apart from that i probably couldn't tell you like who what camera took what no but not the, a million years the, yeah the note that i made though is that what again you know this is because of technology changing since this book was written um although the technology existed back then but i guess nora didn't know about it or, or ignored it because it wouldn't work with the with the story she wanted to tell is that with a digital camera every digital camera records all that information when it takes a picture any camera you use including your your camera phone oh records that all that information and embeds it in the picture oh so you can take a picture, a, a digital photo, as long as you have the original, you can tell, you can see all of the, so like, for example, if, if somebody sends you something from your iPhone, mm -hmm. from their iPhone, you can open it up in, for example, Photoshop or one of those uh, apps and see everything about the camera and sometimes even down to the exact camera model. Really? And, the exact lens that was used interesting all of the settings and you could do that with like i said with camera phones you know it'll it'll tell you that it was this was taken on an iphone yeah i do, and, I do know that that you know. kind of happens or that that can be done yeah yeah but this book was like you said this book was not written at a time where that was being done no Back at Cop Central, and they have a, a general meeting about the case where everybody kind of puts their input in. And then, um, for some reason, again, you know, I, Eve's doing weird things that's like, I don't know. She goes to Columbia and, like, sits in on, on a class that the, you know, a photography class. And then she just kind of looks around a little bit and maybe tries to figure out, you know, timing how far things are from the college parking garages, whatnot. But she's generally looking around the college and kind of trying to get a feel for it. And it just seemed off to me. I don't know. I don't know. But again, this case yeah, she's is just off. Weird. I mean, honestly, this is like a thing that she can do when she knows how to do, you know, versus understanding college students and photography. Yeah, it's it's right. a lot of Eve. I just really not able to be a hundred percent in it. So after she does that, she heads home to check on Rourke and Somerset, and she finds that Mavis and Leonardo are visiting. Oh, Mavis and Leonardo, who are lovely in this book. Sorry, Jen. They really are. They really are. Mavis is yeah. is pretty fantastic in this book, and she kind of like takes care of some of the things that Eve might have taken care of. If she were anyone else. Yeah. <laughs> anyone yeah. else except for Eve. So I'm like, yeah. Yeah. Good on you, Mavis. Yeah. I mean, she she's really, you know, kind of, you know, babying Somerset a little bit and all that. They also pull out uh, some of their, uh, you know, they, when you're pregnant and they do the thing. Ultrasound? <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> they... <laughs> It's yes, so weird. Thirty years. Since I've <laughs> right, right. So. Yeah, you know, you're pregnant, and they do the thing. thing. Yeah, it yeah. happens when you're that pregnant. Thing. <laughs> it's been thirty years, people. Like, <laughs> come on, let me break. Uh, 
Uh, and she, you know, she pulls out the ultrasound pictures and she's showing Eve the ultrasound pictures, which is hilarious because yes. it's like, Eve's no like, thanks. Eve's like, uh, like what? <laughs> yeah. Um, Don't tell me that. <laughs> Are you kidding me? And then she's like, she was yeah, saying that Leonardo's know, going to print some on fabric. And I was like, come on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Come on. Yeah. Come on, exactly. <laughs> well, and you know, so here's the other thing. So she walks into the room, and again, you know, a, a little bit of. So I posted on Instagram that you're seeing a little bit of Eve and Somerset bonding. Oh yeah, yeah. In this book, which is which yeah. is nice, which is nice, yeah. Um, it says right from the beginning she walks into the room. And it says she felt a stir of pity as she saw the stiff angle of his supported leg wrapped in a skin cast. So, and it says she might've said something consolatory or even marginally friendly, (laughs) but then he looked over at her and basically said, you know, give her an icy sneer and said, is there something you need? (laughs) You know, so that ruins that moment for her. Right. Um, yeah, so Mavis says that they were, in, were at the hospital and immediately Eve's like, you know, are you sick? Is the baby sick? You know, yeah. which I thought was like so it's, funny it's, for Eve. So yeah. Eve so because cute. she doesn't understand. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so they show her the the uh, ultrasound. Leonardo says to Eve, like, you know, we didn't, we don't have any pictures showing the personal area because <laughs> we didn't want to know. Isn't the whole thing his personal area? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so great. I mean, all like, things are personal area. Do we? <laughs> come on, Eve. No, I love it. Well, she's she not is wrong. Not wrong. She's not wrong. This is a personal area. The whole thing is personal area. So good. I mean, if you look at it from Eve's perspective, it's kind of a creepy thing to do. Yeah. It's it's not a creepy thing to do if you're a, a doctor. But to actually have like pictures of it that you're showing people, yeah, is kind of creepy. And a little bit. what are you supposed to say when you see those pictures? Yeah, who, who knows? Like, yeah. You know, a lot of times people show me their pictures, and I'm like, okay, I can't see. No, it looks like a fish. Uh, yeah, I, I'm like, I don't know. I, I don't even. Look, look it looks this. like a fish. I don't understand. <laughs> look, it, looks like a yeah. fish or an alien. One of the two. Then after that is when Rourke, so they'd been in uh, Somerset's bedroom, Rourke and this person that they, that he hired PA Spence to take care of Somerset. And they both come out and it's obvious to Eve that Rourke is first of all on edge. She thinks to herself, like this is, he's not himself. You can't tell that he's on edge, Mm -hmm. you know? And then, you know, he and Somerset start to kind of argue, argue a little bit. <laughs> and, you know, I feel, I, I just think it's funny what she, you know, does to kind of try to alleviate yeah, a little bit, because this is when she says, you know, well, I guess I didn't get to do that anal probe while you were in the hospital <laughs> and extract that stick from your ass, you know? She she does great in this scene, I think. She really she does. Really like, she, she really does. does. She handles Rourke perfectly. She handles Somerset perfectly. She handles PA Spence perfectly. She handles perfectly. The, the PA perfectly. Yep. Perfect. Right. 
it got to the point where he was like, okay, everybody out. I need to talk to Somerset, you know? Yeah. And yeah, she has a little heart to heart with him. Uh, essentially what Somerset has said to her in the past, like, don't you see how much this is hurting him? You acting this way is hurting Rourke. And he's like, God damn it. That's shit. I would be thinking about you. <laughs> I hate that you're right. Exactly. He, he really does, but she is right. And then she kind of, again, tries a little levity and asks him if he has any booze in his room and maybe he ought to hide it so that he could, you know, cause she's pretty sure that the PA is going to find it and get rid of it unless he hides it. And she's telling, telling him, you know, he's going to need a belt every once in a while to deal with PA Spence. I mean, not wrong. And then after that is when she's about to leave and he says, you know, she won't let me have the cat. That whole thing like embarrasses both of them. And it's so cute. <laughs> you know, she tells him, I will take care of it. And then she goes out and tells PA Spence that he gets the cat. He wants She the cat sure does fucking take care of it. Yeah, you know. And I, you know, again, just like we were saying, she handles the whole situation perfectly because you know she tells the pa like look this is a guy that was a medical during the urban wars you know he's not going to want you cooing and all that kind of stuff he just wants direct orders she's like this is the best way to handle him right do that <laughs> well i feel like pa spence that's not her thing no so i don't know how well that advice went down but <laughs> After that is when Rourke leaves to leaves the house because she is going to go meet Louise for a tour of Docus. And that's where he meets Moira O'Bannon, who's running Docus. And uh, she's originally from Dublin. She says something to him about having known his mother and he uh, gets really defensive yep. at that point. Yeah. He's like, nah, you did not. <laughs> and well, not necessarily. No, you did not. But anybody that, because, you know, I mean, at that point. He's just like, I'm not interested in what you have to say. Right. Because he's thinking she's talking about Meg Rourke. Meg. Yeah. And um, he's thinking, you know, anybody that knew Meg Rourke is not somebody that I want to have any association with yeah so automatically he like has his backup when she starts talking to him about this and then he's like he's less willing to listen to her at that point right like because he's already made up his mind which exactly. i think is a very understandable situation like place to be in there i think that like yeah. that that traps yes you know absolutely yeah you know so um to anybody so she tells him this whole story about uh, this woman that she knows as Rourke's mother, Siobhan Brody, who called her because she at that time was working a crisis line. And Siobhan Brody called in and said that she'd been beaten by her. She said her husband that they were never married and uh, that she has a little boy. And so Moira, you know, tries to help her out and ends up that Siobhan Brody goes back to Patrick Rourke. And then from that point disappears. Yeah. But prior and to her going back to Patrick Rourke, 
Moira takes a photo of her with Rourke. With and Rourke. <laughs> gives him this photo. And when he looks at the photo, he very clearly sees himself in this photo. Now he doesn't know what to do with himself. He doesn't know what to do. He's like, yeah. I mean, who could blame him? Yeah. Honestly. I mean, that has to be really, really, you know, difficult. When all of a sudden you find out that your parent is not your parent. Right. Like, can you, I cannot imagine. Wait, I'm sorry. What? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. What? Wait. <laughs> I mean, that would be like. Me at my age being like, that that's not my parent that I knew was my parent for. Right. I mean, I'm older yeah. than Rourke, but you know. Right. Not that much. Not much. Right. Right. <laughs> a, right. Whole, a whole extra year we didn't know about. But. Right. Right. Yeah. But, which is so weird. I think that but would be I, such, like the weirdest thing about it to me. I'd be like, what? I mean, you're younger than I thought I was. What the hell? I have no idea because. Yeah. I often forget how old I am. <laughs> kind of on purpose. So we're switching back to even Peabody investigating this case. And uh, they're looking for any kind of a photo studio that's close to the school. And there is a portrait photo, uh, studio and store, you know, combo close <laughs> to the um, school that's called Portography, and the owner's name is Dirk Hastings. Yeah. Oh, my God. I love Dirk Hastings. Like, he's one of my favorites. He really is. Yeah. And he's one of Eve's favorites, apparently. Yeah. So they uh, go to the this studio, and they talk to Dirk Hastings. And as they're talking to him, she realizes, she shows him pictures of Rachel, and she realizes that he knows who she is and he said i've seen her face before and so yes. she calls edd in and McNabb to go through this guy's files and try to figure out you know if he's got any other photos of rachel and it ends up that he had photos from a wedding that he took pictures at there aren't any other photos but there's photos from the wedding right but he does say to her there's other photos. Fo- I took other photos, right. but they're not there. They're not there. I love Hastings. Yeah. <laughs> Can I just say that? <laughs> he's so great. He's so great. He, he's so like him. He's yeah. very, you know. He's just awesome. I love him. I and just- it's so funny that she, like, I mean, she, I don't think she ever really thought he was the killer, even though. I don't either. But I think that she again is like this is this is my only lead. Like she keeps right. going back to these places where she's had success in learning things. And I think it's all part of um, Nora kind of trying to drag this case out as much as possible. Yeah. Um, oh because yeah. Because the whole point of him being a horrible human being um, is that he goes through so many assistants right that he can't keep mm-hmm. track of them there's been right. like thousands <laughs> right so and i think that was nora kind of trying to like it, it not make the case too easy on eve yeah because you know again i mean well, yeah well tell me right. who your assistants are and then i'll go you know yeah. and the other I don't thing know. She's, yeah <laughs> and the other thing she's doing to 
to also kind of drag out the case and make it harder on Eve for no apparent reason is she's saying that a lot of these assistants have used um, fake names. They really have. I love that she's like, does anyone have a real fucking name around here? Right. (laughs) Yeah. And I think that was done purposely so that, you know, she had a harder time kind of trying to figure out who the guy is because everybody's got a fake name. Oh, yeah. Because she's like, I really just want this to be about Rourke, but I have to have some kind of case that she, you know. (laughs) Right. Exactly. I mean, that's really what's going on here. Yeah. Meanwhile, Rourke has arrived home and he immediately goes to the unregistered room. He doesn't even stop in to check on Somerset. He just immediately goes to the unregistered room and locks himself in because he wants to find out more information about Siobhan Brody and see if uh, Moira O'Bannon is actually telling him the truth. Mm -hmm. Trying to figure out what the hell her game is. Exactly. And this is when he looks up his birth certificate and sees that he's a year younger, like we said earlier. But when Eve arrives home, she she immediately does go back to check on Somerset. And um, he was reading a book this time when she comes home to see him. And he said, you know, I just love this because, again, you know, it just shows that inner inner dialogue you know, Somerset's feelings inter- internally and Eve's feelings internally. Yep. That we never it's see so openly. Great. Right. But um, she comes into the room and he's reading. And um, it says, though he pretended reluctance, he marked and closed the book, prepared to be entertained. And he says, you're quite late this evening. He is like, despite my temporary difficulties, I still run this household and require some notification of your schedule. You were expected more than an hour ago. And she says, you know, this is funny. I see your mouth moving, but all I hear is blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. So and you're um, like, oh, they're, they're at it again. They're at it again. You know, <laughs> this is his form of entertainment. Back on their bullshit. It's like nothing happened. <laughs> she says something to the effect of um, I better go see if Rourke made it home on schedule. So he doesn't get scolded. And Somerset says he's been back for some time and he thinks in his head and didn't come back to visit. But um, he says to Eve, he's in his private office, but she says, thinks is weird, but she's like, okay, well, you know, he must have work or some kind of work. I don't know. So she goes to check on him. She tries to get into the private office and of course access denied. And um, you know, she's like kicking the door. She's like, and, what the fuck? Yeah, she's like, what the fuck? And she's like, You can't lock me out. Why is he locking me out? And yeah, like I said, she's been kicking the door and all this kind of stuff. And finally he opened the door and she could see that he's like not himself. He's irritated. And she just wondering, like, what are you doing on the unregistered? What kind of business? Because he said, why business? You know, and well, what kind of business? You know, and he won't tell her. And um, that seems a little bit suspicious. And they have this kind of a little bit, this fight 
you know, he's been drinking, you know, she mentions that. He keeps thinking in his head, you know, that he wants her to get out so she can, fin- you know, get out and leave me so I can finish this nightmare. It's so sad from the beginning of this moment up until they get to have their like fight about it. I'm just like so sad for both of them. Right. What yeah. was so mean in this scene? I was just like, <laughs> dude, really was. what are you doing? <laughs> like... I mean, I get that you're upset and you don't want her involved, but my God. Yeah. Wow. We're kind of seeing scary Rourke a little bit. Yeah, and it's directed at Eve and that's not okay. Yeah, no. Yeah. Like in the worst way. Right. Yeah, it's pretty rough. Yeah. And your heart just breaks for Eve because she doesn't know what the hell's going on. And all of a sudden he's just being a dick. And what the hell? What is going on? You know, they were fine earlier. And then all of a sudden he's, you know, 180 and a complete asshole. Right. Because he's saying like, you know, give me some fucking space. I'm not in the mood to chat or for a quick shag or replay of your day. Right. Which is such, like, like, she's like, such bullshit. Excuse me? Yeah. Yeah. What? You know. (laughs) Work. You jack wagon. Yeah, that this whole yeah, like cannot. this whole scene is just horrific for Eve. Yeah. I mean, you can only imagine. I cannot. But yeah. as we've said many times in this book, they don't talk. They don't, you know, she he just wants her out. Which you know, yeah. And they don't talk. He doesn't want to bring her, you know, I don't understand like why yeah, I just never understand why doesn't why don't you want to bring her in on it? What's the big Right. I mean, I understand it's a big deal for him. Yeah. But, you know. But, I mean, yeah. What the hell? And he gets there. You know, he finally realizes. He does yeah. get there. But, he yeah, does, this but, is. And, I mean, I guess this is new territory. Usually it's him dealing with her stuff. And that's right. what it is. It's like, is, I don't know, maybe and he's it, just like, no, we can't have it be this way. I'm not. I'm not. Yeah. Like, like this is a complete role reversal and I'm not okay with that. Like, like, yeah. There's there's no there's nothing she has done to show him that she wouldn't be there for him. Right. She right. Be solid for him. Right. So I don't even get his thoughts where he wants to keep her out of it and she doesn't need to be involved and blah, blah, blah. And it's just like, yes, she does. You insist on involving yourself in all of her bullshit. You need to involve right. her, too. Exactly. Like, what the yeah. hell, dude? Come on. <laughs> Your stupid manly balls and <laughs> my god your manly balls your manly balls that's exactly you know, there's the there's the name of the show right there works <laughs> manly balls <laughs> your manly i mean balls. seriously that's what it boils down to it's all his ego and his it really yes and him yeah. just being like oh i can handle this alone i don't need help and right fuck off dude what is wrong with you yeah. And you're going to treat your wife that way? No, that's not okay. I'm not okay yeah. with this. I'm mad yeah. at you. I don't yeah. care how badly you're hurting. I'm mad at you for this. This is bullshit. <laughs> well, I mean, it, it, it's it's maybe very cliche, but like, that's not how you handle hurting. No. Taking yeah, no. it out of the people you love. So, no. No. Sorry. And not I mean, sorry. they both do a lot of that in this series. Yeah. Let's be real. Yeah. Um, but. And yeah, communication, as we've said a million times, is not really their thing. I mean, it is, but it isn't. 
you know, especially yeah. with big stuff, they dance around it and, you know, How do they? which I mean, I get it. I mean, it, that is kind of very true to life. Yeah, I mean, it a is. Lot of people handle the, you know, the big stuff that way. Like, you right. Know, this is big and I, and I can't talk myself. about it. Yeah. Right. Right. No, I totally so get, I get it. Yeah. But, um, it's hard to, but read. dude, you know, like I said, the way he insists on bringing her into or bringing himself into everything that has to do with her, including her work. Right. You know, but he doesn't want her involved in this at all. Yeah. I mean, you can't even tell her what's going on in this situation, in this scene and just say, listen, I need to figure this out for myself. Right. Yeah. You, know? you can't even say that. He has to say a bunch of, you know, really shitty things, really shitty, insulting things to her. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty rude. What the hell, man? This is not the work I know and love. Like, I love Scary Rourke, but not in this context. He tells her, I have no doubt you've plenty of the dead to keep you occupi- yeah. occupied for one evening. Keep like- shot, man. Keep God. shot. It is brutal and purposely hurtful. And It yeah. is. Very much so. Yeah. So there is your toxic Rourke, people. If you're going to complain about toxic Rourke, there it is. That's This yeah. is when he's toxic. And you can almost, like understand people that maybe pick this this book up for the this is their first book right going like oh fuck no i'm not gonna read anymore you know you can almost <laughs> understand i mean i kind sure. of glad yeah. that my first book was witness yeah where he was just a little bit of a dick but yeah know, a little bit not terrible uh but this one yeah he's a yeah huge he's dick. a huge dick yeah <laughs> he really is yeah so you know i mean that's unacceptable uh, yeah. Essentially, Eve, you know, goes off and leaves him alone. And, um, I mean, she does what he asked him to. Yeah. And, you to. know, and she tries to work, but she can, of course, because, you know, she's too worried about what's going on with Rourke. And she ends up going to bed alone and having a dream, you know. But then she's woken up by dispatch telling her that there's a homicide at the Metropolitan Opera House great um, yeah so she gets up and realized Rourke never came to bed so she leaves him a memo cube saying you know I caught a case and I'll be back later and goes to the scene so when she gets there she finds out that the victim's name is Kenby Sulu yes and she talks to the people who found him of course Nadine is already there because Nadine has gotten another photo and message then after that eve goes to notify the parents yes. and the parents tell eve that uh kenby is part of he goes to juilliard is part of the dance company there and eve asked them if he's been photographed if kenby had been, had been photographed recently and they say yes that somebody had come to photograph the, the dance troupe at Juilliard, they find her one of the photos, and on the back is the stamp for portography. Oh, portography. That, you know, says that Dirk <laughs> Hastings took this picture also. Right. So Eve has, yeah, Eve tells Peabody to have Hastings brought in for questioning. And he's like, this is bullshit. <laughs> so meanwhile, back at the ranch, <laughs> Uh, Rourke is still in the unregistered room and kind of facing reality and feeling miserable. 
about everything. He finally leaves the unregistered room and goes into the bedroom because he's thinking like, okay, well, maybe I ought to go and talk to Eve now. And um, Eve's not there because she's left and she left him a memo cube. And, you know, I mean, it's, it's so, cause you go, I mean, you're, you're on the roller coaster just like they are. I feel like. Oh, I think you, you are know? too. Yeah. Because um, now Rourke is, he's, he's feeling miserable essentially. And um, he is gone. Like I said, gone back to the be- bedroom and found this memo cube for Eve. And he like plays it a couple of times just to hear her voice. It's us. I know. So you, you know, yes, he was just a dick. We all realized this, right? He was just a giant, a giant dick, dick. But now you see him and he's now devastated by this news that he's, you know, now he's like missing Eve and feeling like crap because he treated her like crap and feeling like crap because he never came to bed. And it's kind of obvious to him that, you know, there was a lot of tossing and turning and that she probably had a nightmare and he wasn't there. So he's feeling like crap about that. So he is doing a lot of like beating himself up in the morning here. Yes. But then when Um, he sees her again, he's still a dick. (laughs) So I think he forgot that he was that he was upset about it. It's, but you know what? It's such a, it's such a man thing. I don't even want to say yeah. that that's a man thing. It's such a, a relationship thing. I think that like you almost take for granted how, how they're going to react to things. And it's like, it's not like they're going anywhere, you know? Right. I mean, they could, but not really, you know, they're not really going to, he, they're going to fight. And he's, I think that's what his intention is. He's just going to like push her away and that she'll just be like, it's cool you know do your thing and and we'll we'll come back to it later but that's right that is not how this works no it, but it's just such a roller coaster for oh god yeah the reader like we said at this point i don't think we really at this point want to like Rourke again so quickly <laughs> i think we want to be pissed at him a little bit longer you know um but then you read oh, these. I'm still mad at him through this part. I don't. Necessarily well, <laughs> yeah, I mean, yes, but what I felt bad for him about before, I don't feel bad for him going. Oh, I guess I treated my wife poorly. Like, I, I, uh, I did. That you're allowed to. That's okay. <laughs> because you know, I mean, because he's like it says um after he realizes that eve's gone and it says um alone he grieved for the woman he'd never known and ached for the only one he'd ever loved yeah so, uh, it's very sweet and romance novel but i still feel bad for eve <laughs> i'm like yes but eve is the one that suffers with the nightmare and was treated like a like shit by you so well i don't know yeah you're right. I mean, obviously, I do feel bad for him later. I just, you know, how you're like, I didn't want to forgive him already, but I did, and I'm like, nah, still didn't forgive him. Yeah. So you know, Eve's at Cop Central now, and um, Nadine is there. They're talking about this case, um, and it's just you know funny because obviously you know Eve's been thrown for a loop as well, and. Um, what, oh yeah what what do you do i mean you're somebody that's used to like handling things on your own you know 
I can handle stuff. But, you know, I mean, this is something that she's not had to handle before. So she's talking to Nadine about this case. And then right before Nadine leaves, um, again, ask her if she's banging the suit. And, um, <laughs> like, and, Eve, is it really what you care about right now? Yeah, no. I mean, it's just a roundabout way of saying, like, look, you know about men. She was going to ask her some advice. Oh, I know. It's right. just, I love that she says it. I'm just like, oh, Eve. I just, <laughs> God, I just, I love the way she works so hard to navigate through this whole thing. Yeah. And she, from, I mean, from anyone on the outside who's not also as awkward as fuck like myself, um, she has to look like an idiot. Like, you know, saying that to Nadine, Nadine be like, are you kidding me? You know? Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's kind of charming. Yeah. And Eve and Nadine does say like, you know, oh, this is their trouble in paradise. Yeah. And, and Eve's like, I, you know, kind of like, no, I, no, I, okay. I'm, I handle this on my, no, I don't need your help. Never mind, You know? But then only like a few minutes later, she's like, no, I need somebody's help. And that's when she calls Mavis and wakes her up in the middle, you know, in the early hours of the morning you know i mean mavis uh kind of like jen says mavis is uh you know giving her some good advice here i mean yeah <laughs> yeah mavis i think is delightful in this book yeah. yeah yeah i agree i have no issues with her yeah because you know eve right away is like look this is what's happened and mavis is like well maybe he's worried about somerset and you know eve's like i don't think so it was more than that and um mavis says you nag him and you pick and you stick until it pops out of him whatever it is girls are good at this dallas <laughs> and and eve's like i'm not good at being a girl and mavis says sure you are you're you are your, your own, own kind, kind of, girl. of girl which i yeah. love I love that. <laughs> I do too. Because um, it's so true. Yeah. And then she says, which I think this is this is the thing, Mavis is like, okay, I've got to put it in Eve terms. And she's like, think of it as kicking his ass until he cracks, at drilling him in interview until he confesses. Dig it out of them. And then depending on what it is, you either make him suffer or comfort him or fuck his brains out. You'll know which. <laughs> You'll know which. <laughs> it's, it's so great. I mean, come on. I, oh, it is I the best it. advice. I love it. So it's after this that she goes in and, and uh, talks to Hastings, then goes back to make the scene and talks to Steve Audrey again and also talks to one of the waitresses. She's going, you know, this is one of those, uh, this is another one of those books where she's like back and forth back. She's there and then she's back at central and then she's at the house and then she's mm -hmm. back over here and then she's back at central and then she's back at the house, you know, I mean, she's all over the place in this one. After she gets done at make the scene, I think she goes back to central and, uh, she runs into Mira and asks Mira about Hastings and Mira's like, I don't think he, I don't think he's the guy. Mira's like, I like him. <laughs> yeah. And we're all like, yes, we all love Hastings. We all love Hastings. <laughs> he sounds like we he's all like dick, him. but yeah. And, you know, again, you know, maybe it's a metaphor. It's again, a metaphor for also Rourke. I mean, he's mm -hmm. sounding like he's a dick in this situation, yeah. but we all like him. Yeah. And, and I feel like we love Hastings is one of those people that's like an inherently good person. He's just an right. asshole. Right. 
And you either get past that or you don't. I mean, yeah, I like a right. lot of assholes. Trust me. <laughs> I, you know, you like me, don't you? I do. And I See? like myself. Um, <laughs> so That's good to know. Yeah. I mean. It, yeah. And I feel like, you know, with I, I do kind of relate a little bit to Hastings. Because, yeah. and it, it's the personality kind of, the, the kind of person that has that personality where, um, I do, if I'm in a zone, if I'm working on something and I'm kind right. of in the zone, I do not like to be disturbed. No. Yeah, I don't want somebody coming to me and saying no. like, oh, wait, you know, hey, stop what you're doing. And, you know. I, I agree. A hundred percent. bothers me like, yeah. you know, more than anything. Yeah. I get, and I do get angry. I get physically angry because, you know, like I am in the zone and I am working on right. this thing. And now you're coming in and you're like. You're bothering me. Bothering me, you know. Yeah. Now we're back at the mansion. And this is the evening where Mavis and Trina are giving Somerset a makeover, which I think is amazing. <laughs> so that great. Movie. Yeah, yes. that scene is amazing. So great. <laughs> <laughs> Rourke. So she comes home. She checks in. They're giving him a makeover. She's like, this is not the place I want to be. So I'm out, you know. So I'm not going to do that. <laughs> I'm not going to be here. You guys have fun. Um, she goes up to her office and then later Rourke comes in. Rourke does decide like I better, cause I didn't yesterday. I better go back and, you know, check on Somerset. So yeah, Rourke comes in and he's in general in a pissy mood and he says a few things unsavory to Somerset as well. Yeah. Um, he's real cruel to him too. Not, yeah super but like enough that somerset's like oh no there's something wrong well you know and somerset's hoping that rourke will kind of save him from mavis and trina which i think is funny because that's how eve always feels you know right like you know rourke please save me and now somerset's kind of in that same position you know trying to get rourke to save him from trina and mavis he says something to rourke about you know you don't look well are you are you ill and rourke's like for christ's sake no i'm not ill you know um, leave me alone i've got a great deal to do more as you're incapacitated he's like i'm hardly incapacitated and rourke's like you broke your fucking leg so lie back and deal with it and you're like oh okay <laughs> Well, that makes me feel great. Thanks. You know, earlier yeah. when you were in your bedroom and you had the little memo cube and you <laughs> listened to it a couple of times and I thought it was really cute and I was feeling sorry for you. Now that's gone. Now it's gone. Again. Yeah. So again, we're in this, we're on this roller coaster with Rourke, you know, then as soon as Rourke kind of like storms out, <laughs> Somerset then calls eve on the link and you know he's got all this like blue gunk on his face and stuff. <laughs> like, my eyes <laughs> yeah. black video what's wrong with you <laughs> god so great yeah but he tells her like there's something wrong with him you need to fix it and she said done i just appreciate how she's just like okay i'm just doing this remember how he fixed it with the cat I will fix it with Somerset, with uh, Rourke now. I'll fix it. I'll fix it. So, um, yeah, and I, and I, you know, it's so, how she handles this is such an Eve way to handle it. You know? 
Oh yeah. Because I don't think she would have gotten the results that she got by going in there and saying like, honey, you know, tell me what's wrong. Oh and my God. Do no, that. that's not, that's not something she that she handles does. it. Yeah. Well, you know, the first thing she does is go in and he's just come out of the shower and she says, you look like shit. <laughs> You're like, well, Eve, tell it, tell it how it is, you know? And, uh, you know, she tells him we need to talk about this right now. And then he lies to her and says, I've got a meeting. And she's like, I don't fucking care. We're talking about this right now. You know? Yeah. He, you know, they go around and, and they end up like pushing each other. She's pushing him and he's like, I mean, not necessarily push her, but he does kind of like grab her arms and kind of like push her away from him and, and they end up on the floor rolling around like i don't know it's a good i mean it really shows us just how like how aggressive the two of them aggressive is not the right word but yeah how aggressively they care about each other and they don't know how to put it into words this is some aggressive caring right it here. is really and I you're mean, just like that would not work in any other situation no but the two of them like because she knows this is how he has to be handled yeah honestly because had she not, i mean what else was she gonna do we already right. know that she's not gonna talk sweetly to him like yeah and if he's not gonna let her like come close to him it's not like she can you know screw his brains out if she can't get close to him right damn it she's gonna follow it after <laughs> gonna well her advice ass. was that that eve would either what what did she say console him or you know or um kick his ass or yeah. screw his brains out right and yeah. she would know which yeah so, so this is why she's, she's like yeah. yeah she's handling it this way because right now is kick his ass time but yeah they end up you know rolling around on the floor and you know after yelling at each other for a while and pushing each other around and this scene is actually one that prior to this, Jen, you've said this, this is one of your favorite scenes. Yes. Right? Where the necklace spills out. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. So she, uh, you know, in the process of rolling around on the ground, you know, yeah, the necklace falls out and hits him in the face. And then he's it's like, what, what are we doing? He thinks in his head, like, uh, you know, this is not the way that this is going to be handled. Yeah. Then he starts apologizing to her. He sees that he hurt her. He's got, she's got bruises on her, on her arms. And he's saying, I, I hurt you. And she said, forget it. Just tell me if you're going to die. Um, <laughs> or if you fall out of love for me. And uh, he says, I couldn't fall out of love with you. If I fell all the way, all to, the hell. way to hell. Ah! And then says, <laughs> I know says you're, you're like, everything. Oh. I yeah. mean, but like, how is she honestly, honestly, how is she not thinking in that direction? I mean, yeah. After what he did, after how and he said he, it, you know? Yeah. Because I mean, yeah, it's what just, was, it's one of those things where he's just like, and he's, he's completely shocked that she's, that she said that. Yeah. And right. that baffles me, but that I'll show, it goes to show just how, in his own head he is right now. right right because rourke is never going to intentionally hurt eve even no. 
even in his process of trying to push her away because he can't deal with her right now because he wants right. to focus on himself that is not how he would intentionally be he is just so out of his element too mm-hmm. this book is fascinating because everyone is just no one's on their game yeah right yeah yeah except for maybe peabody yeah she's peabody. doing great <laughs> she does well she's she talked mcnab and moving in with her it's fine i mean yeah well then mavis is on her game because mavis and mavis yeah and that gave eve that I mean, great advice i mean i don't want to i don't want to hurt jen's feelings but mavis is always on her game whether or not we want to <laughs> see her mavis knows what she's about she does sure. she does sure she always uh, does yes she so. does she's still annoying but but it's it's fascinating i mean i don't know even rourke them both being completely out of sync with themselves as well as each other just makes this for such a strong strong plot you know so he decides that yeah it's time to just come out and tell eve everything and I just love how he thinks in his head, like, cause she's asking questions and he's thinking like, Oh, okay. Well, yeah, this is, this is his cops. That's she's very calmly asking him the questions that need to be asked to get to the bottom of everything. Right. You know? Yep. Um, and then she, um, <clears throat> decides to help him out by making him something to eat. <laughs> I'll make you some soup. You know? he's like oh are you taking care of me and she's like yeah you know i'll take care of you don't she worry about drinks it the soup and i love it <laughs> yeah the moment that he realizes and says, ah oh, fuck me you drank the soup i mean good for her getting some of her own back i love exactly. it exactly i love it doesn't happen often no no nope. you know? i love it <laughs> so great so yeah, so she tranks the soup and then she puts him to bed and, you know, she watches over him while he sleeps. And then the next morning they do the thing. They do the thing. <laughs> they hadn't First done the thing, thing in a while, morning. so yeah. it had to happen. He woke up ready. I mean, doesn't do he always? The next morning. Well, yes. Well, no, because <laughs> the morning before he didn't, he wasn't even True. in the room. True. So. Good point. This morning, you know. Well, he didn't sleep technically, so he didn't really wake yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> you're right. <laughs> and it's I find it interesting. So in, in that morning, um, he, they talk about her, Eve's case, right? And he's seeing Rourke is seeing the two images of the two people that have been murdered, right? And he's saying different types entirely, and yet the same vitality. And then he thought of the picture of the woman he knew to be his mother, young, vital, alive. He says to Eve, it's monsters who prey on the young. Uh, and then he also thinks about the picture that, you know, he has in his head or the actual picture crime scene photos that he has of Marlena. Mm-hmm. Yes. So again, you know, that's another kind of like parallel with right. this case, you yeah. know, it's not about the picture. It's about people who took that young, innocent, vital person and killed them just, you know, because they were, right. you know, young and innocent, you know, essentially fed on their innocence is what, you know, essentially what happened. 
Right. And that's what this guy's doing with these people, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and then after Eve leaves, Rourke goes into Somerset's apartment and, um, kind of makes up with Somerset, you know, he takes, uh, Somerset out to the garden and, you know, apparently Eve had already gone to Somerset and told him that morning, told him everything that had happened. So, cause Somerset already knew about Rourke's mother. Right. Cause he, you know, Rourke said, cause Somerset said, you know, you didn't think you could tell me. And Rourke said, Oh, did she tell you? Eve told you about Rourke? So, Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, Eve knew that he was, he was worried about Rourke. Right. So right away that morning, you know, go and tell him like, here's what's going on with him. You know, cause she told him she would fix it and she did. So yep. she did what happened, you know? Um, yep. And Rourke, you know, apologizes for worrying both of them. <laughs> um, and, you know, they talk about Marlena a little bit and, for, for whatever reason, Rourke is blaming himself for both of these things. He's blaming himself for his mother. Feels like she was killed because of him. Yeah. You know? yeah. Um, because she left Patrick Rourke and took his son. He wouldn't have cared if she just left. But left and took the boy and that wasn't to be tolerated. So he feels like that was sort of in some way his fault. And then he's also blaming himself for Marlena, you know. Right. And Somerset's telling him. We've seen him do already, you know. Right. And this is where uh, they have the discussion about the time when Rourke went to Somerset and said he wanted to change his name. Yes. Yeah. And Somerset told him to keep it. Right. But here's where, here's the next mistake that Rourke makes. <laughs> because we can't be too happy with Rourke for too long in this book. Well, no. To, yeah. No that doesn't that nope. make sense. We ha he has to make another mistake. And that is that he tells Somerset that he intended to go to Ireland that day and see his mother's family. And he's just going to go straight away to Ireland. And uh, Somerset says, have you told the Lieutenant? And Rourke says, I haven't. She's in the middle of a difficult investigation. This will distract her from it, which I, you know, I mean, I, I kind of understand his thinking there. But, but you, you have got to know that's going to piss her off. Right. He does. Oh, he does on. know. He knows. Yeah. He's just such a complete bonehead. I swear to God. He's such <laughs> a bonehead in this book. Correct. Like, yes. Dude. <laughs> Stop being such a bonehead. Your boneheadedness coupled with your manly balls are pissing me off. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> like, i'm just gonna i don't want to bother her anymore i just want to go there and take care of this myself he's she so doesn't dumb. need to be bothered he is such a he's, male in this <laughs> scene yeah. like he's very male a dude in this whole book in this, in whole, this whole book, book. such a dude and i'm just like no such a dude yeah oh dumbass <laughs> <sighs> fucking dumbass he, yeah he really yep. is a dumbass. dumbass at cop central eve goes to give her report to whitney and then see this is like she keeps you know as if there's not enough that we have to think about 
Eve goes to Whitney and gives him her report and then requests that he put uh, Peabody's name in for the next uh, detective test. Right. So there's that. That little side thing. That that little side thing, yeah, that Eve's like telling Peabody like, oh, by the way, put you in for the detective's test or, you know. Yeah, which, okay, nice of you to spring that on me out of nowhere. (laughs) (laughs) So Eve and Peabody uh, head over to Juilliard to question some of um, Kenby's fellow students. Yes. Um, several of them tell Eve that they had seen Kenby and Rachel dancing together a couple times at Meg the Scene. Right. So I, I don't, you know, I mean, again, why Eve doesn't make that can like, I it's no all, it, it, it all, it's all there centers around that club. Yeah. Yeah. Why aren't you? Yeah. Making that connection. Right. I mean, she kind of does, but then she's also like spreading out all over the place. Like, yeah. oh, I got to check with the school and I got to do this and I got to do this. Going and, back to dirt. Right. And, yeah. yeah. Right. Um, but it's when she's at Juilliard that Rourke calls her and says, oh, uh, you know, by the way, I'm, uh, on my way to, I'm on the plane. I'm, I'm going to Ireland. Uh. I'm already on the plane. So nothing yeah. you can do about it now. So. Duh. <laughs> I'm sure you're not upset, right? And then he implodes because fuck that guy. Right. (laughs) Fuck that guy. Exactly. (laughs) Fuck him. Well, you know, she did that. Wrong with you. Look where I got her. (laughs) Nowhere. Good point. (laughs) Good point. So, but yeah, she's like totally pissed. And he should have known that. But um, anyway. He did know that. Yes. He's just, he's continuing on this path of idiot you fucking idiot i'm like come on i was about ready to forgive you i think i did forgive him here's like i think i did forgive him. i did forgive him for five minutes and then i was back to being mad at him again right yeah twice and now she's mad at him again i know (laughs) i why why can't you just let me forgive you rourke and just do stuff the right way like stop (laughs) tripping over your manly balls (laughs) i guess (laughs) rourke has got the biggest pair of truck nuts in you know (laughs) he keeps tripping over them he really does he really does come on man for real yeah big pair of truck nuts that you hang truck nuts Hanging you off. You know the, what she's talking about. Oh, I know exactly hanging, what she's talking about. Yeah, it was like so true. Truck nuts hanging off of the uh, of the jet that he's taking to Ireland. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> truck nuts. <laughs> he's just taking this jet to Ireland with the nuts <sighs> hanging. The oh. Huge truck nuts hanging from the bottom of the jet. When they're about to land, they're like, uh, lower the landing gear, raise the nuts thing. (laughs) 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 Lower the landing gear, raise the nuts. (laughs) (laughs) It's so true. Uh, (laughs) uh, Otherwise, they just make sparks coming down the (laughs) runway. That's true. We can't have that. We can't have that. (laughs) (laughs) Oh Oh my god. 
<laughs> yeah. Uh, maybe wow. that's the name of the episode. Lower the nuts. <laughs> lower the uh, nuts. Raise the nuts. Raise, lower, lower the landing gear. Raise lower the, the landing gear and raise the nuts. <laughs> Anywho. Oh, man. So speaking of nuts, um, Rourke, of course, as soon as he gets to Ireland, he stops by the penny pig to see Brian. Yep. Oh, I love Brian. And um, I know. And Brian, Brian flirts with Eve without her even being there. I know. <laughs> Which I love. <laughs> <laughs> like, like only Brian can do. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That is and, a skill that only he has. Exactly. Right? Because anybody else, I mean, all Webster has to do is be around and Rourke's like, you know. Yeah, like baring his teeth. Yeah, cracking Rourke's his knuckles like, in front of him. Like, yeah. <laughs> You know, and but I also feel like room. it's a you know, it's one of those things because I I feel like if McNabb or Baxter were to do the say the sort of things that, you know, Brian says, Rourke would be fine with it. Yeah, yeah. I think it's more about Webster being a former lover than it is. Yeah. You know, yeah. He knows. Sometimes, sometimes I want to hesitate to refer to Rourke as a chill dude ever because well, right. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. But I also feel like he knows that they're joking. Yeah, right? not serious. Yeah. yeah, he knew. He knows that you know Brian is joking. Right. Yes. But, um, yeah. So. Um, so yeah, he's asking Brian if Brian knew about his mother, if he'd heard anything, because I guess his Brian's dad used to do some business with Patrick Rourke. But Brian tells me he doesn't know anything. All these boys were raised by such fine role models well you know i mean that's the thing i mean you're in that situation and you got your little group of guys yeah the people you are around are also in that same situation you know no it's sad so um but they decide he he wants to go and question one of patrick rourke's you know closest friends that he had at the time and ask brian to go with him and I just love how Brian's just like, oh, okay, sure, let's I'll go. Somebody else to watch the bar. Let's go. Yeah, let's go. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know, Brian is a chill dude. Brian is like ride or die, bro. Yeah, and he I love really that. is. I love yeah. that. Yeah, he really is. Yeah, I mean, you he know. hadn't seen Rourke in how many years, and now he's ready to go murder somebody with him. I mean, mm-hmm. like for real for real that is that is ride or die right there and and what i love about the whole scene is that brian's like i you know because rourke is taking care of everything and he's like really intimidating this guy and breaking his fingers yeah and you know and brian's like i'm feeling superfluous here (laughs) (laughs) right i really wanted to well i'm not sure why i'm here but (laughs) oh i love it oh brian you know. We love you. We love you so very much. Yeah, we really do. Even if you show up out of nowhere to pick up a sweater. <laughs> so random. Well, we wish that he pick it, picked up a sweater. You were going to write a fanfic about that. I was. I yeah. was. There's still time. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I've got several. So they do get from this guy the the whole not necessarily the whole story of what had happened but basically that they had, that they had gotten a call from patrick rourke to 
you know, tell them to, you know, steal a car and come to his house. And when they got there, they saw that Siobhan had been beaten to death. And um, Patrick Rourke was like, get rid of this body. And they did. Because they yeah. too are you know? bros, but they are not good bros. They are not good Right. Bros. Yeah. Those aren't the kind of bros that we those want. Those are not the kind you know, of bros. We don't that like those. We, we want like those. So, bad bros. Um, bad bros. Bad bros. <laughs> um, so now he kind of does know a little bit about what happened. Um, and uh, he and Brian leave and they're going to go tie one on. Um, meanwhile, Eve is like, you know, I, I just think it's so fascinating that Eve at this point is like, I don't want to spend another night at the house without Rourke. Right. So she drives Peabody and McNabb with her. Yeah. <laughs> like, Sleepover. Peabody and McNabb yeah. are like, this. No, 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 let's and go. They're like, okay. Peabody's like, I got to pick up McNabb. Yeah. All this time she's like, I don't want to know about your little sleepovers. And then, and now all of a sudden she's like, yeah, let's have a sleepover. Sure. Come to the house. You can sleep in the same room. It's fine. You it's know, it's fine. Someone else will be in the house. It's not Somerset. All she cares about. Exactly. And then, you know, later on she's cursing herself like, why? Why did I why did I do that? You know. Why did I invite them over? I literally like pages ago I was telling Peabody I don't hear about your fucking sex life. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You did this I mean, to yourself, Eve. <laughs> you did yeah. this to yourself. <laughs> and she's you know, they're so they're like, you know, um, as soon as they get to the house, they're like, we're going to go see how Somerset is. And she's like, yeah, just go. Yeah, go do something. Go do something. You know, I don't actually want to be She is already sick of them. <laughs> she's like, yeah, just go do something for, you know, for an hour. <laughs> they literally, she, she fights them over and then she's like, nah, I don't know why. I yeah, did that. exactly. Why did I do this? So she goes to her office and she's looking over the case and whatnot while e, uh, Peabody and McNabb are off doing whatever they're going to do. And this is when she gets the famous call from Rourke, which is, <laughs> you know, one of my favorite, all-time favorite scenes from any book. So great. Of yeah. any, yeah. Because he's like completely stinking drunk. And um, she's completely worried about him making sure that he's not at the penny pig. Cause then she's worried that he is going to leave there and get killed. But he's at Brian Kelly's apartment. They're starting on their second or third bottle of whiskey. She's like, Hmm, how do I feel about this. Well, I mean, you know, I, well, she feels like at least he's, he's somewhere he's with safe. Brian. Yeah. He's with Brian, except Brian passes out while they're on the phone. Rourke tells her that he's going to be going the next morning to um, to see Siobhan's family. So he wanted to get drunk and not think about it. Right. And then, yeah, Brian passes out. And so he says, well, I got to go because Brian's passed out. <laughs> That's a good enough reason. I mean, got to yeah, go home, my friend, up and into bed. And this is, you know, one of my favorite lines. Take she He says, take care of my cop. I can't live without her. And she says, take care of my drunk Irishman. I can't live without him either. And he's like, what, Brian? <laughs> like, right. She's like, it's so no, great. You, you, you. Oh, yeah, it's so the best. The best. Oh, love it. 
McNabb and Peabody and Eve start investigating. They're looking for through all of these fake names that were given for all these assistants that uh, Hastings had. And they focus in on one Henri Javert because apparently Henri Javert um, came to popularity early this century in Paris doing uh, dead photos, basically portraits of, of the dead, you know. Um, and Eve's like, you know, ding, ding, ding. That makes sense. <laughs> She's so. like, yeah. She gets, she gets some of those pops, you know. Exactly. Or clicks or whatever she calls it in this book. Right. I think it says, uh, my, ne- my notes say, next day Eve squad is brainstorming at the house. They come up with the theory that the killer may be terminally ill and things killing these kids might somehow heal him. So Eve goes to Louise to ask her, like, I don't know what you were thinking, Eve. Like, hey, can you give me some confidential files on people that have been recently uh, diagnosed with uh, terminal illnesses? And no, Eve, like, she cannot. No. <laughs> Louise is like, the fuck are you doing? <laughs> yeah, like, no, I can't do that. What's the matter oh, with you? Eve. <laughs> the hell? You know. Um, she, her tunnel vision is just ridiculous sometimes and it's, it's like, extra bad in this book yeah she yeah. doesn't yeah she yeah she it's just like no you gotta understand that you can't just have that information that's not how this works so, hello hippa <laughs> <laughs> she also talks to dicky who has gotten some carpet fibers um he had already gotten carpet fibers off of the the victims but he tells her that they don't match either the vehicles that she confiscated from Hastings or from Diego. So that's a bust. It's another line that she tugged that went nowhere. Back in Ireland, um, Rourke drives over and he must have a monster hangover. Oh, God, yeah. Especially because he doesn't drink like this normally. No. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um... He drives over to um, who is his aunt aunt's house, Sinead Lanigan, in Clare. And uh, when he gets there, she's like, hmm. like, he says, I'm Rourke. And she's like, I know you are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes. Uh, I don't know if you uh, realize this, but um, you look just like. Well, I mean, and he should have. He's kind of famous, too. So. Yeah. Right. You're a big deal. Right. You're a big yeah, fucking deal, my know. dude. And I'll, you know, and also, but also he definitely expected her to react differently. You know, yeah, she's yeah. like, yeah, I know, that's who you are. Get out of here, you fucking asshole. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, shut the door in his face. But uh, I mean, it makes sense that she that they would try to keep track of him, right? Because of he's her nephew, so she does tell him that she's kept track of him through the years, knows all about him, knows that he's got money to burn right and he's thinking like uh, you know oh that's how it is mm-hmm. these people are going to want money right um but I mean, no which is a fair well, a fair thing to be concerned yeah. about yeah yeah um but no she's just a sweet lady she's who ha- asks him to come in and gives him tea and cookies 
and and you know yeah. gives him a shoulder to cry on literally yeah yeah you oh. know and that scene like right yeah that feels. even i know that whole yeah yeah oh yeah that whole scene you know where um she tells him that that he has his mother's eyes oh god you know and he's like no yeah. hers were green mine are blue and um she's like yeah but you have the shape of her eyes and the oh. shape is more important than the color you know <laughs> my dude my dude uh, i yeah i mean it just the whole yeah <laughs> the whole scene is just you know yeah so sweet and so like you just feel so bad for rourke and also happy for him at the same time because this lady's like you know oh it's my sister's boy you know hey guess what you got you know you've yay! got yeah, yay. you've got uncles and you've got grandparents and you've got cousins and obviously you're gonna stay with us and we're gonna have a big party and you're gonna meet everybody and he's like what the hell's going on you know <laughs> right <laughs> yeah he's just completely it's yeah not at all what he expected and it's it's so nice like it's it's just a nice thing to be happening next you know right yeah yeah you no, know him <laughs> yeah they just accept him you know and she does tell him like you know that she'd heard all kinds of things about him and that he was dangerous and she thought he was a dick and you know but realizing now that he's he's not a dick at all right know? well yes kind of, he's always a dick you know, yeah. he's, he's always a kind of a dick but, you know he's yeah not, you didn't see how he treated eve work. the last couple of days yeah that's yeah. why you're saying that yeah so one part that i just love that that um happens also during the same time is um eve goes to visit uh, somerset again so just to tell you know him like what's been going on etc cetera, etc cetera. um and she finds him arguing with the with the pa with pa spence about whether or not he's going to go into the hospital to get his cast off right and i, yeah. and I just love how eve <laughs> handles this because you know um <laughs> you know because uh Somerset saying, I will not have this person drag me to a health center for a simple procedure. And the PA is like, it requires a doctor. And Eve's like, well, then bring the doctor here and get it done. And the PA is like, you know, uh, I'm hardly going to request a doctor make a home call for something as minor as a skin cast removal. And Eve's like, if it's so minor, why do we need to go to a doctor? You know, and Somerset's like, aha. Exactly. <laughs> and we're all like, why don't we ask the medical professional in the room? No, Eve doesn't do that at all. She says, like, no. I bet I can zap it off with my weapon. You know, stand back, PA Spence and all that ridiculous. Somerset's like, you know, stop that, you lunatic. <clears throat> you know, but I just love these little scenes between Eve and I, Somerset. Yeah. So the other thing that I found really sweet in this same, you know, I mean, she does, they, they start to talk about Rourke and Rourke's father and blah, blah. And this is when Eve, you know, kind of asks him, like, did you kill Patrick Rourke? And he doesn't, he doesn't 
you know, go come right out and say, yes, I killed Patrick Rourke, you know, but he makes it very clear that he in fact killed Patrick Rourke. Yes. Um, but they're talking about, about um, Rourke going to see his family and Eve was telling him that Rourke was afraid that Siobhan's family would blame him. Right. And Somerset says, if they blame him, it's their loss. The father couldn't break the child, nor could he turn the child into a monster, though he tried. And then it says, um, he studied Eve and wondered if she understood he wasn't referring only to Rourke now. And I thought, oh, oh, that's kind of a sweet thing to say. I mean, it, it really is. is. But she didn't get it at all. Well, no. Well, so. <laughs> of course not. So back in New York, now they have found a match for the carpet fibers that they found. And it's right. a van owned by a little old lady that's kept in a garage. <laughs> yes. And the guy that runs the garage is like renting out people's cars illegally yeah. on the side. So um, she brings him in for questioning and she brings the van in question in for sweeping and finds um, hair from both Rachel and Kenby in the van. Right. But the guy <clears throat> can't identify the guy who rented it, of course. He's a white guy. So um, everybody else, even the whole crew, uh, go to Rachel's funeral to to observe because that's what you do. Um, observe funerals. It's it's a fun part of police work. Yeah. Um, right. <laughs> they don't necessarily see anyone that they think is suspicious. Right. Uh, after the funeral, Eve and Feeney go out for a beer, and she asks um, Feeney about what's going on with Rourke, and Feeney gives her that really great advice of. You should be with him. He shouldn't be. It's not doing you you or him any good with you here and him there. Because uh, she says to him, like, he didn't want me there. Yeah. And he says he didn't want me there. And he said, if he did, he's lying. She says, but the case, I can't just. And he's like, what am I, a rookie? You don't think I can manage? <laughs> I, I love how Feeny handles it. What? So great. <laughs> yeah. You know, this case where weird things are happening and nothing's happening anyway on this case. So. Right. So, but then he says to her, if you got word Rourke was hurt, bleeding from the ears, would you worry about the case or get your ass moving? And she said, I'd get my ass moving. And he's, Feeney says, he's bleeding from the heart. So you go. And I thought, oh, Feeney is fucking amazing. Feeney's our, Feeney's a dude. We stand. Yeah, exactly. As soon as he says that, she thinks in her head, like, it was so simple, a no brainer when put just that way like yeah obviously you know and she thinks a little bit later you know she it's went home to pack a light bag it says she had to that she could run the op by remote control she had a capable team and then it says she wasn't the only cop on the nypsd but she was rourke's only wife which is huge for her to have that realization and you know i so reading that line made me think of our discussion last week when we had Catherine on Mm -hmm. and she was saying that she didn't want uh, Eve to ever have kids. Right. She said one of the reasons is because she feels like Eve would have to sacrifice her um, job. Right. 
and for the child. Right. But I, I feel like this kind of proves that, I mean, I, I feel like if Eve ever had a child, even Rourke ever had a child, that would be the mentality for her. Right. Yeah, probably. I'm not the only person NYPSD has. Right. But I'm the only mother this kid has. Right. Just like she did in this case with Rourke. Yeah, I agree with you. I that's why we said that was a very controversial opinion it was yeah (laughs) yeah yeah because she wouldn't be she wouldn't be sacrificing anything I just yeah I very strongly disagreed with that but you know I mean I I follow that line of logic so much as obviously I'm not a parent so I don't know what that's like you know I my opinion on this was probably not very valid but um you know I think a lot of people, after they have kids, then that's what their relationship is about instead of themselves. Right. And it when Eve is already in this very kind of dual relationship between she has work and she has her career, and her career is a huge part of who she is, adding a child into that mix is a huge change. It's absolutely going to be a change no matter what. So mm-hmm. when and if that time comes, which, again, we know would be the end of the series... I, I follow that line of logic. I don't know that I want her to have kids or not, but I follow that. I'm excited to listen to the episode because I haven't gotten to yet. Yeah. It was a great episode. It was a great episode. I feel yeah. like she, she was very knowledgeable about the series. I said mm-hmm. that at the time. Um, it was just, I, I didn't really, yeah, that was a controversial opinion because I didn't, I didn't, I didn't agree with it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, th- I think that's like I said. That <laughs> this is exactly the thinking that Eve would have. Not she wouldn't. She wouldn't give up the job completely, right? But, you know. Yeah. yeah go to yeah, and that's been demonstrated become, more than once in the series that mm-hmm. she'd put Rourke ahead of the job, right? And she would and she absolutely. She does not see it as she does not see it as a sacrifice. No. So and, yeah, and she would absolutely do that for a child. Yeah, I agree. I think 100% oh, yeah. she would do that for a child, you know? Um, and I, and again, I feel like we're building up to that. I mean, she's yeah. built up this, this bullpen yeah. of people that, you know, are capable people on their own. Right. And, mm-hmm. you know, so, so I think she can yeah. feel comfortable making that transition into. Yeah. Especially um, at this point, we're really starting to build the bullpen and get mm-hmm. to know like Baxter and Trueheart. And, you know, pretty soon we'll have, you know, Carmichael and Santiago come in and you know Carmichael's been there but you know she yeah. wasn't really yeah and then yeah and then she brings in Renicki and Jenkinson and so yeah I mean she really does flesh out the bullpen quite a bit mm-hmm. but and, and but again it, you know building up toward because you gotta think that Nora knows I, that it's getting to the point where she's gonna. I mean, she, I, if she doesn't already have a plan right now for if she, yeah, she's got. This an end is game. my retirement date. Yeah, you know, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. we're in the end game now. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like that's the cat. I, mean, I hate to say it to everybody else. I do there, too. I really like hate it, but I agree. I feel like there's just too many little hints and here and there, mm-hmm. like her being offered mm-hmm. captain and. You know her turning oh, yeah. down, but you know, and like the candy thief comes up a little bit more than it had for a while. You know, and they've talked about kids a few times. You know, Mavis and Leonardo are having another. They kid. have another and, one, yeah. Yeah, and Peabody and McNabb have talked about marriage and decided against it for now. And you know, I mean, just things are progressing, like I feel like they would toward the end of the series, right? Yeah, 
so yeah, she takes off for Ireland. It's she sure she for sure takes off for Ireland. Yeah, because yeah. then she's gonna make an entrance. She's gonna make an entrance. Yeah. Yes, she makes quite the entrance. Quite the entrance. Absolutely. And this is another like I think within the fandom, this is another one of the one of the greatest scenes. Oh yeah, written in the entire yeah. series. Hundred percent. Scene of Rourke walking out of his aunt's house and into the field and wishing that he was there and the buttons in his pocket and he's touching that and he's like why did i you know come here without you when i need you so bloody much and that's when the you know <laughs> it's when the jet copter drops out of the sky the jet copter the uh the jet copter the truck nutless Yes. Jet copter. The nutless yeah. jet copter. Yeah. Yes. Eve, Eve doesn't need that. <laughs> no. She does, she does not, not need Her that. Her balls are so. the biggest anyway. She right. doesn't Exactly. Right. So that it comes out and lands in the field. I literally so. gave, I I because I was listening to this, I literally gave Eve entrance applause in this scene. <laughs> I was like, she lands and I'm just like, yes, this is my favorite thing in the whole book. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. great. When she it's lands and walking up to him and, you know, looking over her shoulder at cows in the field, you know, yep. <laughs> because she is a little bit not okay with them, you know, and um, it says she jumped down a light pack slung over her arm and his world righted again. Aww. And they start to make out in the field and she's telling him like, uh, we've got an audience and his aunt is standing there and he introduces her to his aunt and his aunt was like, well, you know, you, but you better come in too and have some tea and some breakfast. And she, his aunt makes some breakfast, you know, and is talking with Eve and getting to know her. And, uh, I mean, just, yeah, again, yeah. you know, complete acceptance, you know, from so great. Sinead and, yeah. um, everything and she's you know asking her about her being a cop you know and solving cases and rourke says you know oh you solved this case um pretty quickly you know and eve's like uh, uh well not so well, much i didn't exactly solve it you know yeah and nope. then Sinead's like, okay, well, um, I've got some stuff to do upstairs. <laughs> <laughs> I'll let I, you uh, fight this go. out. <laughs> let you fight this out. Right? Yeah. So, um, but it's, there's a really, you know, lovely scene when he says, you know, I've got to get all my stuff together so we can leave, you know, go back to New York. And leaves Eve alone with Sinead and they have that little discussion and Sinead's mm -hmm. like, you know, I mean, whether or not we see him again is really going to be a lot up to you. And she's telling Sinead, like, I, I would not ever, you know, stand in his way of having a relationship with you if he wanted it, you know. And um, Sinead says, you know, uh, the way he looked, the change in his face, his body, the whole of him, when he saw it was you, 
the love was naked on him when he saw it was you. And it's one of the loveliest things I've ever seen, you know? And, um, yeah. And then Eve says, um, to her, maybe you weren't looking in the right place when he introduced me to you, when he looked at you, he already loves you. And that was another of those moments where I was like, <laughs> oh. no, she's, she's, like, she's known work for 10 minutes and she's like, I got this all figured out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah exactly. You know, so, um, so Eve and Rourke go back to uh, New York and almost practically as soon as they land, uh, Eve gets contacted about another homicide. Um, victim is in a parking garage of the East Side Health Center, and her name is Alicia Dilbert. Uh, and she has got a next of kin. His name is Wilson Buckley, and Eve realizes that Wilson Buckley is crack. Yeah. And we are, and that is, yeah. That whole scene where they have to go and notify crack. And he doesn't believe yeah. them and he's threatening violence. And they have to take him to the morgue and to see his sister. And, you know, I mean, that whole scene it's is just, heartbreaking. Heartbreaking. It really is. It's just horrible. It's, it's horrible. Uh, yeah. yeah. You know, poor crack. I know. Um, so when she questions crack later after he, he had seen his, his sister uh crack does tell them that his sister was a medical student who occasionally hung out at make the scene make the scene um so eve had already sent baxter and Trueheart to the club to stake out the club because you know i mean right. she's finally starting to realize like oh there's something going on here yeah right so um at this point it's a lot of you know her giving Rourke a ton of you <laughs> busy know, work, look, busy work. Look at <laughs> yeah, yeah, names. Looking, yeah, cross reference the names with anybody who has he. She asked Rourke to go into because uh, Louise wouldn't do it. She asked Rourke to go into confidential right. medical files and cross reference so names with. They're back on their bullshit again. They're back exactly. on their bullshit. Well, I mean, you know, yeah. it's even Rourke. I mean, you know, so um, yeah. And, uh, so that's a HIPAA violation y'all. Yep. <laughs> but <laughs> he finds that one of the people that had recently died of cancer, who had, you know, been diagnosed and died of cancer is somebody named Corinne, a Stevens, uh, who had, who has an apartment, uh, very close to the photography studio and, also close to like make the scene so and the garage that in the garage the van was kept in right they, yeah exactly yeah so um they go over to this apartment and um question the neighbor and the neighbor tells them that the son's name was jerry and he's a photographer so ding 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 <laughs> But the neighbor mm. thinks that Jerry is such a nice guy that she's not cooperating with the police. But then um, he brings Yancey in to work with her to get like a police sketch mm -hmm. of the, the guy. And um, 
when Nancy comes back to Eve, uh, she realizes that Jerry is actually Steve Audrey from Make yeah. the Scene, which ooh, I mean, <laughs> we could have told you a long time ago. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> we had it figured out. Hey, so yeah. they they race to make the scene, and but that time Baxter has already left. He's left True Heart at the club because Baxter's an old man and needs to get home and go to bed. <laughs> what? I don't blame him. Yeah, right? I mean, I'd probably be the same way. So, um. He's already left, and so True Heart decides to go ahead and leave. And who meets True Heart outside and offers to give him a lift? But Steve Audrey, and he manages to get a tranquilizer into True Heart, and then shoves him in the back of a van and takes True Heart to his photo studio. So now the the um contact baxter baxter's like i've already left and you know they realize that something's gone wrong horribly wrong and um a true heart does true heart manage to call i think true heart calls managed to get a call heart, out i think he does he call or does he turn on the location no he couldn't turn on the home homing device he called because they were tracking him by noises that were coming out of his phone that's right and i was i'm like all jumbled on that now yeah, yeah because it was. yeah he he was trying to turn he knew he had to turn on his homing device and he couldn't quite figure it out because he'd been tranquilized um but he keep he has the phone and he keeps mumbling stuff in the phone peabody's got the phone and he's she's listening by things they're hearing they can kind of figure out where he is based on like oh there's they've stopped and there's like construction noise and then feeney <clears> finds <throat> out that there's construction going on in that area at a certain on a certain street and then rourke looks up manages to find a um, an office or a studio space that has been rented to what is that guy's name javert henri javert which henri they realize is the name that Steve Audrey was using. And so they know what building, you know, and they're rushing over there. And during that time, Steve Audrey's got true heart and he's like posing him at in parade rest wires and stuff before. And he, it's a crazy, it's a yeah. crazy ending. Like we love, it's a crazy ending. Yeah. They burst into the room and right as Steve Audrey has the knife and is about to kill true heart and, you know save the day the and they save yeah. the day right and i i um, just love baxter throughout this whole thing he's so worried and so upset yeah they adorable. take true heart to the the um medical center and yeah baxter brings him a boob balloon and <laughs> a boob balloon we're covering it all yeah well he does he brings him a boob balloon and you know sits with him and he, that's where you find some you know baxter's yeah. asleep next to uh true heart and yeah and then we have this weird ending uh where this guy confesses everything and shows Eve that he's like a complete and total nutcase. Yeah. He's bonkers. He's he bonkers. Really is. Yeah. 
This is one time that the insanity of that defense might stick in these books. Yeah. 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 I um, mean, there's a few, but this is one of them. Yeah, this one's definitely mental illness. So, yeah, so the book ends that Somerset goes on his vacation and even Rourke have um, monkey sex with chocolate sauce. With chocolate sauce. With chocolate sauce. That was my signature line on AdWolf for the longest time. I love that. Yeah. One never kids about chocolate monkey sex with chocolate sauce. <laughs> well, and the book ends, and you're matter. like, you're like, remember the beginning of this book where you thought she was going to get to do this, and then <laughs> right, <laughs> <laughs> and then we yep. had so much, so much, so much, so much going on with this book. I mean, it's really craziness. It's so funny because this book we knew that, but like, I feel like the last entire series we're like i forgot how much happened in this book every book right i know that's what i feel like too yeah i mean we hit this book when we knew we knew this one was going to be so we knew this one was going to be the last book we're like oh that was so much yeah 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 and i'm glad you know what i really i thought about this when i was reading this book i like I'm glad she realized that she really needs to stop messing with True Heart because I swear to God, he has been injured more than any other cop in the series. Yeah. And within the span of like five, ten books. Yeah. Yeah. Like because he was hurt in Witness. Mm-hmm. And then last book, mm-hmm. he got attacked by the guy. And now this book. I'm like, dude, leave poor True Heart alone. Yeah. Beat somebody else up. Yeah, she will. Don't worry. Oh, I know. That's coming. <laughs> That's Truth. coming. Yeah. So, commendations for this book. I know you guys are gonna not believe this, but I'm gonna say Somerset. <gasps> Why would I believe? I wouldn't have believed it if you said Mavis, but no, I'm say Somerset. Because even though yeah. he's still kind of a dick, I think he really gave some grounding and perspective and yeah. get some great moments with both Eve and Rourke this book. Yeah. So yeah, I'm going to go okay. with Somerset. I think that's a good choice. Tara. I mean, I feel like mine is really um, obvious, but Eve. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good one. I mean, I just, I mean, I, mean, I just yeah. really feel like Eve is, I don't know. She's just, so I think she's grown so much she has, and we get to see it in a very vulnerable place in this book. And I just, mm-hmm. the whole book, I'm just like, Oh my gosh, you sweet, precious person. And you would yeah. never say that about Eve, but like, no. in the book, yeah. you're but like, God, like, I don't know. My heart so much. is there for I her. Want to hug her. I do. Yeah. I really yes. do. And, but she takes care of every, I mean, you know, I mean, how many times in this book does she say, I'll take care of it? And she does. She, she does. really does. And like, that is, that is the core of Eve. That's what she yeah. does. Yeah. Right. And this is, this book, I feel like it was like stripped down to that, where yeah. we really could focus on the fact that Eve was taking care of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She was taking care of it. If anybody needs truck nuts, it's Eve, but she doesn't need them. She doesn't need them. <laughs> she does not need truck nuts. No, because, you know, she's got she scary things without the biggest, them. And she, she doesn't give doesn't, a shit. She doesn't give yeah. a shit. So. Well, nobody will be surprised at my pick. It's got to be Brian Kelly for me. Well, yeah. Because, yeah. like. I had a feeling you, know, you were going to pick him. Yes. Yeah. Because. Oh, 
<laughs> like you said earlier, I mean, he is really ride or die with, with Rourke. He you know? is. And in more ways than one. I mean, you know, he's the person that Rourke knows he can go to yep. to talk about stuff with. And then can you come with me to possibly kill this guy? And he's like, sure. <laughs> and then afterwards, yeah. Rourke's like, bro. yeah, Rourke's like, I need to get drunk now. And he's like, great. Like, go. You know, I, you. I mean, <laughs> I got yeah. I got a whole pub. I got you, Rourke. Yeah, I got you. That he's also got a nice apartment that they can just stay at and have, right? You know, a couple of bottles of you know Jameson and pass out. I mean, yeah, you know? why not? I mean, he just. I mean, he's got a very small role in this book, but it's a yeah. very it's a crucial role. It's it's crucial. fantastic yeah. for Rourke. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. So. There you those go. Are, those are good combinations, guys. Yeah, love it. So, um. We got a lot of, uh, you know, comments about this book from uh, our followers on Instagram. Mm -hmm. Hearts Lioness Books says, um, I like the role reversal in this one. Mm -hmm. Uh, Usually Rourke is worried over Eve, but we see Eve step up in this, especially when she's watching him in the gym just after Somerset calls her. Um. And the which leads to Eve and the soup payback. The whole <laughs> book is brilliant. Correct. Um, Yvonne says iconic moment. Uh, very often commented on is when Eve arrives via the helicopter into the field where Rourke is standing, desperately missing Eve, wishing she was with him. And then, then there she is and embrace with his, Aunt Sinead watching. So, um, and then, you know, like we said earlier, first line of this book says, no pressure, but I'm expecting a five-hour episode from y'all. That's not going to happen. I think I can cut this down to two. So, sorry about that. Um, Michelle Kay says, love how Eve and Somerset's relationship has grown. Their relationship through this whole thing was fantastic. Um, Heidi says, this whole book is fantastic. Top five for me. One of my favorite moments from this whole series is when Sinead tells Eve how much Rourke's whole body and face changed when he saw Eve. Um, And then a couple minutes later when Eve said to Sinead, Rourke already loves her. My heart just smiles every time. Any book with Sinead is just so lovely. The whole family... Um, just saw his mother and him instead of his father is just precious. Also, the drunk scene is just too hilarious, and we love it. Well, yeah. Well, yeah, absolutely. Lindsay also says that um, the the scene with uh, even Somerset when Somerset wants the cat is one of her favorite moments between even Somerset, the other grime girl says this is one of my absolute favorite moments the same moment with uh even somerset so many great moments in this book susan sci commented purity and portrait are back-to-back favorites so much going on and yes he gets the cat is one of my favorite lines <laughs> just a lot of emotion throughout Rourke worried over somerset even feeney having drinks where he tells her he's bleeding from the heart the sex- section with crack when she 
calls him when eve calls him wilson it gets me every time maggie says can't wait to get the time to hear your take on that book one of the best with purity shadows and the as yet unbeaten innocent oh oh yeah we're all like oh really really that is unbeaten okay i like it i both love it i both love and hate that book so we'll get there i like i like that there's a take we'll get there you have comments yes um nothing on twitter what the hell guys not now (laughs) sorry about that but on our facebook group (laughs) i said actually that we're recording portrait tonight we'll try to keep it under three hours Susan, who is Susan CSI on uh, Instagram, Mm -hmm. said, I love the longer ones. I didn't mention the family in my Instagram comment, but that whole storyline is a favorite. It comes out of the blue, and then Rourke's reaction is just so un-Rourke-like through most of the book. I remember my first read of Portrait, hoping we'd have more visits with the family, and very glad we've had those. Agreed. Peggy says, it's one of my favorites. And our friend Carol said... A favorite of mine, especially that scene. And it's the same. It's the drunk scene, basically. Mm. I love True Heart's role in this. He loses more of his innocence, which, yes, he does. Yeah. We should say we have a new patron, Janet. Mm. Yay. Thank you, Janet. So, thank you so thank much, you, Janet. Janet. Um... We got a new uh, review on uh, iTunes. Oh, nice. Um, And this is Jackie Lemon. So Jackie gave us a five-star review and said, As a crazed fan of the In-Death Universe, I was hesitant to give this podcast a listen. Nobody could do it justice. Nobody knows it as well as I do. Or so I thought. Happy to find out they are as knowledgeable as they are. Can't wait to catch up on all the episodes. The first two I listened to were a real treat. Oh, nice. Yay. Yeah. So, and I think Jackie, Jackie also sent us an email. Okay. And she said, um, I just listened to the first episode of the podcast, also the most recent and also the second. And I'm so glad I did. Big Nora fan who came across the first three books in the series when searching for Nora, uh, I hadn't yet read. That was back in 1996, and I was hooked. Oh, wow. Uh, really enjoyed the in-depth, in, really enjoyed in-depth.net. And I know this podcast won't disappoint since you are obviously knowledgeable and just as obsessed as I am. <laughs> Fun. <laughs> then she says, I have a question about a comment you made about Eve telling Rourke in Naked that it was a mistake to get between her and food. I'm wondering what this was foreshadowing as you commented, what am I missing? Um, and then she says, now I'm off to get all caught up on the rest of the episodes. And I answered her back. And I said, um, first of all, thanks so much for getting in contact with us. We're so glad you're enjoying the show. And I said, the foreshadowing that I was talking about was the fact that Eve killed her father with a knife she was using to cut some cheese when he came home and was going to punish her for eating. Right. Right. And she sent me a message back saying, thanks for the response. Yes, I get it. Good catch. I never thought of that before. Love the way your minds work. Looking forward 
to you challenging me some more. Nice. I love so, it. Jackie. Yay. Thank you so much. Welcome Looking Jackie. forward to interacting with you more. Yeah. Come join our groups. Join our Facebook um, and our Twitter. Yes. yes. Follow Find us on, us on Twitter. Follow yeah. us on Instagram. In uh, Podcast and Death on all of those platforms. Um, and we would love to have you as a patron as well. If you can do that. Yes. Um, go to our website and there's a link there for uh, Patreon and it's only $4 a month. So, um, and here's another, uh, email that we got. That's going to be a little bit controversial <gasps> because this person, the subject of this email is hot dogs. Oh, and oh no. this person says I've given this, this is Alicia Mathis. I've given this considerable thought. A hot dog is definitely a sandwich. You're Just wrong. thought you ought to know. <laughs> You're wrong, Alicia. Wrong. Now, here, here's what I will say. Um, so, again, when we had our episode last week. Yeah. And one of the things that Catherine said was, um, it has to pass the... Um, the sandwich test. Called the sandwich test. Yep. And um, it has to be easier to eat in hot dog form as a hot dog with the hot dog and the bun. Yeah. Then separately. Correct. Me being me. Ingredients. Yes. Me being me. I looked up the um, the how the hot dog came to be, and according to Wikipedia. The guy who brought hot dogs, hot dogs over uh-huh. from, you know, and first started selling them, um, were just selling the Franks. Right. And what he was doing was he was giving people gloves because they were too hot to handle. He was giving them gloves. This is what it said on Wikipedia. I believe you. And then his wife said, hey, why don't you take, you know, a, a roll and put it in the roll because what was happening was the people were just keeping the gloves they would never bring them back and the wife said why don't you just take a roll and put it on a roll that way they just take it and go and then you don't have to worry about it and they could still handle it when it's hot i feel like you could just as easily give someone a napkin and make it easy to eat well i mean yes but at that time they didn't have a napkin but that's not the what point. i'm saying is that's not the point the bun, yeah well <laughs> it, but it kind of is because the bun is making it easier to eat here we you go. wouldn't want to eat a hot hot you don't want to grab a hot dog off the grill or whatever that hot dog hot i don't know i've done that and just well you can but it's harder that's what yeah. i'm saying all right if you think so <laughs> strongly disagree but <laughs> I'm saying I didn't. I'm not the one that's. <laughs> we knew we knew this was going to happen. Um, also, I want to say, um, Sarah on Patreon uh, said so. The the um, the podcast before that, where we gave people our Nora picks. Yeah, she said I forgot about the Guardians trilogy, and now I must reread that and the Circle trilogy. Yeah, but thank, but thank you so much for the reminder of the Chesapeake trilogy and the Gallagher's, which I am now re-listening to, as I really want to re-experience the scene where Aiden gets his nose broken. 
Yes. And, yeah. I love that scene. And <laughs> and the drunk Sean scene that we talked about. Forgot about the the broken nose. Yeah. Wow, that was great. So, um, last trivia question we had was what two teams were playing in Jamie's video game. Um, we got an answer actually. Somebody called the number and uh, answered. So I will play that uh, voicemail. Hello, everybody. This is Betty D from Adwell Day. Loving the podcast. Loving hearing all y'all. Loving fighting with you when you say something I think is crazy. Um, I'm here for the trivia contest. Jamie was watching the Yankees play the O's, the Oreos, Orioles. And that's who he was playing the game with. Looking forward to seeing y'all or hearing y'all next week. Keep on reading. Bye-bye. So that was Betty. And she said Betty from the Adwoof days. Oh! Betty, Betty Is it D. Betty B? Betty D. Yeah! She's in our Facebook so, group. Yeah, okay, I, I invited yeah. her because I'm friends with her on Facebook. Awesome. So she yeah, answered the trivia question. She's amazing. She's one of my via, favorite people. Via, uh, you know... Awesome. She called the number. I love it. So, Yay, so Betty. Awesome. Betty. So Betty, so you know, you need to get in touch with uh, Jen or myself and, and give us your information so we can yes. give you a prize for calling the number. Um, so she answered correctly that who was playing was the New York Yankees and the Baltimore uh, Orioles. Baltimore Orioles. <laughs> uh, I don't sports. You don't sports. We have Jen here for the sports. You New don't sports. You don't New York Yankees and Baltimore Orioles. Yes. Um, that was also answered by uh, Tara, not our Tara, but another Tara, Yvonne, Louise, and Heidi. Yeah. Shocking that those right. three answered right. it. <laughs> right. Yeah, I know. Um. So the new trivia question for this book, what's the name of the band that McNabb loves, but uh, Peabody says sucks? Yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> Love it. And we already gave out our information for yep. how to get in touch we with sure us. We sure did. That's if you need to podcast and death on any of And if you listen regularly, I think you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And you probably already know the number, but I'm going to say it again, 205-476-2753, and that spells out 2054-ROAR. We also got, oh, I forgot to, to say that we also got a, a, uh, a call from K.A. Yeah. Gavio? Yep. I'm going to figure out how to say that name. She, you are. Well, she called. You know she what? Called. I'm gonna play. I'm gonna play the call, and she does say it. On That's the- probably why she called. <laughs> she didn't say that, but she's like, "I better give my entire name so she knows how to say it." I still don't know how to say it correctly, but anyway. Hello, fabulous ladies. This is K. A. Gavio. What a wonderful podcast again! Fascinating guest. Fascinating topic. Love to hear what you guys have to say, and look forward to you every week. All the best. Have a great day. Bye. She would like to come on the show and talk about food in death. Which I would love. That would be be really, really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So um, once we figure out Tara's schedule, 
um, we'll know where to schedule all, you know, anybody that wants to come on the show, we'll, we'll know where to schedule that. So, yeah. Um, not sure about next week. We're going to just assume that Tara's going to be with us next week. Fingers or crossed. The week, the week after. Fingers, Fingers crossed. crossed. Um, so we're not sure what we're going to do next week. The week after should be, we review the reviews unless we need to switch them like we did last month. And that's fine. Yep. But until then, I think that's it for this that's episode. It. So three um, hours. Yeah. Three I'm hours. On the dot. <laughs> I, yeah. I'll cut it down. I'm sure you'll cut I'll it see down. If I yeah. cut it down to two, I don't know. You can It'll do be it. probably over two, but we'll see. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, I mean, they almost got their wish, but not quite. Not quite. Uh, not quite five hours, guys. <laughs> <laughs> so after three hours. Of this, well, yeah. And we also did an almost an hour briefing room before this. So true. Yeah. So <laughs> technically yeah. we did do four hours and I did say maybe four hours, but yeah. yeah. Not five. <laughs> no, no, I'm not Lord. making it to five guys. I got to go to bed. Right, yeah. you know. So, anyway, uh, so that's it for uh, this episode of Podcast of Death. This is AJ. This is Jen. This is Tara. And we'll see you next week, guys. Bye, guys. Bye. Thank you for listening to Podcast in Death. If you enjoyed this podcast, please give us a five-star review on Apple iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. We would greatly appreciate it. Podcast in Death is hosted by Amy Ryan, Jen Terpstra, and Tara Corkery, and is edited and produced by Amy Ryan. The opinions expressed on this show are for entertainment purposes only and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the in-death fandom at large. Podcast in Death is not in any way affiliated with Nora Roberts, Berkeley, Penguin Publishing Group, or St. Martin's Press. Our theme song is Justice Never Sleeps by Cosmo and is available on Shutterstock.com. This episode and all of our previous episodes are available at podcastindeath.com. Have something to say? You can email us at show at podcastanddeath.com or find us on social media by searching for Podcast and Death on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Also, you can call us and leave a message at 205-476-2753. That spells out 205-4-ROARK. Thanks again for listening. And in the immortal words of Brian Kelly, fucking slouch it to you.